0: We're all
1: oh, yeah. Just taking over the Come on, Brian. Brian, walk to the park. That's a walk in the park right there. We call that
0: like cake mix. Do you want Snoop Dogg joining the broadcast team to give his version of play-by-play? That was just a snippet of it. This is Round Ball Roundup, UtahJazz.com, J.P. Chunga. Snoop Dogg will be in Salt Lake City December 12th. Jazz have a game the following day against the Warriors. Would you want him on that broadcast team alongside Craig Bolerjack? might be something to consider.
1: Get there. Let's go. Let's go. Push that. Push that LBJ. Run that point. PG. Get out there, Bradley. Get out there. Give it back to him. Oh, three, please. <coughs> That's usually Danny's spot right there. That corner say, three. Don't, don't Dan, stop now. You know, Danny used to play out here, so he got to get him a little bit of something. He got to win a, a championship yeah, here. Yeah, he got to miss a few shots to make them feel <laughs> like it's all right. That's JaVale. He got some rim protectors under there, too. Oh, boy. JaVale McGee? I love him and Dwight Howard and AD down there, man. Snoop,
2: what about Dwight coming back? Because I, love I know, him. I know, right? Not a lot of people were happy. I welcome when he left him. The first, yeah. I
1: welcome him with warm arms. I mean, I'm so glad he's back home. He's playing a different role now. We don't need him yes. to do what we needed to do before. He can just play his role, his position. And he's accepted that role. Yes. And he's playing it well. Last.
0: Snoop Dogg's a guy that went from being a, a rapper that the old heads love to. Being able to be in the space where he can be alongside Martha Stewart hangs out all over the place. That's just Snoop Dogg. Jazz drop a pair of road games against Sacramento and L.A. And instead of really breaking them down individually, there were some themes that you could point to that make them together. Because what was the huge story and talking point out of last night? Rebounds. Not boxing out. Hear what changed the game for Quinn Snyder, and it was he was just apoplectic.
2: The biggest thing is just defensive blast. It's too much to overcome if we're not getting bodies on people and getting rebounds. We can have a really good possession defensively if we don't secure the ball. It's wasted. 54-37 to
0: rebounding advantage for the Clips. 29 second-chance opportunities, 18 offensive rebounds. Now, collect that with what happened on Friday night against Sacramento. The big play that you looked at was that one on the last one. Harrison Barnes tips it in after a miss. Out-rebounded against the Kings, 38-36. to However, the problem bled into the next game and against those Clippers. Initial defense is top five in the entire league because of the way that the Jazz are playing. It's completing the entire defensive play. Defensive rebounding and rebounding in general is just about that. No rebounds, no rings, according to Pat Riley, and... With Ed Davis out, and this lends to what happened over the weekend where you have Emmanuel Moutier being unavailable against the Clips, and you lose a little bit of that rebounding touch. Jasmine Fine defensive rebounding in this entire year, number six at 80.3% of the defensive rebounds that they've collected. This was an entire highlight of on a problem that bled over from a different game, from that Kings game, not having the entire focus, not having the entire focus for an entire defensive stretch. That's what rebounding becomes. And they're going to have to shore that up because coming ahead, you've got Milwaukee and Philly who are two huge teams who you know they're going to crash the boards and they're going to play more interior games. This needs to be figured out ahead of those two matchups. The other thing is Kawhi being just a complete matchup problem, scoring 18 of his 30 in the fourth quarter. I'm not saying he's like Mike, but the Jazz's version of of Mike, the dependable scorer has been Donovan Mitchell. You've seen this stat be cited in many a story from Tim McMahon to Tony Jones in the athletic jazz offensive efficiency with Donovan Mitchell, 107.3 points per 100 possessions, which would rank 12th in the NBA jazz offensive efficiency. When he sits 82, which would rank them last the change between this team. When Donovan's on the floor to where he's off it, has been stark and Donovan played really good games over the weekend 24 against the Kings 36 going supernova against the Clips 52 percent from the field 44 from three and 78 percent from the free throw line Donovan last night went to the charity stripe 14 times and as soon as he takes over offensively you know you can ride that For a good deal, Boyan Bogdanovich continues to be dependable as a secondary scorer, went 17 on Friday, 19 against the Clips. He is a good supplementary guy. What needs to change is Mike Conley developing into a secondary guy who can provide something for this Jazz team. Conley's struggles can be one of the determinants for how close Utah gets to its ceiling and gets when it comes to the NBA playoffs. This Clippers-Jazz matchup, I looked at it, and I want to see more of these. Next time we'll be able to see it is before the new year in December, but I want to see a playoff series between these two. Already 1-1, and while the junior Clippers were that Wednesday game, this was more of what it was on Sunday, Jazz played it really close. If they grab the necessary defensive rebounds, stay on mentally Stay switched defensively. They come away 2-0 up already on this Clippers team. And one win with Kawhi, one without him. On-off numbers that I mentioned about Donovan, it lends itself to where that team is when it comes to Kawhi. Plus 32 points between him being off the court and him being on. Kawhi Leonard, so far during the first portions of the season and in the games he's played, is playing to that MVP-type level and is exactly what the Clippers thought they would get when they signed him up after a championship with Toronto. Load management and rest are going to be a feature of what the seeding is come March and April. Where teams stack up might not be indicative of their exact level of play. Some teams don't have the luxury to rest players. And when you look at how Utah decides to employ that type of strategy, how are they going to manage the minutes of Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, and Mike Conley? Because Quinn Snyder knows the research. He's read the peer-reviewed journals. He understands rest affecting the body helps players play efficiently when it comes to those pressured pack situations. How clubs employ that strategy will be interesting to follow throughout the NBA season. A little touch on it earlier, but the injuries leave an opportunity for a new guy to jump into the fold and jump into the rotation. Tony Bradley's going to get his shot. With Ed Davis down, Bradley got 14 minutes, scored 8 points, grabbed 5 rebounds. Tony Bradley, when it comes to summer league and playing well when he's out there during the preseason, he just puts up numbers. And it's going to be a good opportunity to see exactly what you have from the youngest player on this Jazz team. Mind you, when he came out of UNC, it was just after one year, he didn't know that he was going to be bolting to the NBA. But when he went out, he knew what was going to be a part of development playing with the Stars, playing with the Summer League teams, growing and getting more physically to the level of the NBA player. Now's an opportunity for him to come in for the veteran Ed Davis. We caught up with Tony Bradley at Media Day, so let's let you hear a little bit of it. TB from Media Day with myself and Aaron Falk. How was this summer for you? Because it's a pivotal one for you heading into the year. How was it?
1: I I would say it was a good summer, like good summer league. I think I played pretty well, and uh, I think my confidence is where it should be.
2: What was your goal coming into the summer league, then?
1: I just wanted to. I didn't have like any specific stats or goals. I just wanted to play my hardest and just leave it all on the court.
0: What have you learned from all these summer leagues and all these experiences that you've had with the stars and with that summer league?
1: Uh, I just I see me growing on the court and off the court um, since I've been here, just maturing. And uh, I just feel my game taking baby steps, and just I feel myself overall just getting better.
0: Coach Williams was able to catch one of those Vegas Summer League games. Uh, what did that mean to you, and what did he share when he caught up with you?
1: Uh, yeah, I haven't seen Coach Roy in a long time. Um, I haven't been back in a long time either, but um, I think it was special for Coach Roy. I think another assistant came to that game, but um, just for his support being there, it just meant a lot to me.
2: When did you first meet him? I guess let's, let's start with
1: that. I met, well, he started recruiting me like my junior year of high school and just calling it out. He would come down um a Little, little Bartow, Florida to see me. And that's when it all started. And Carolina was always my dream school to go to. So um, him, going down meeting, or him going down there to see me was something special. And
2: you kind of had a, a map, like I read, like you, you had a goal. You went to a, an all, a McDonald's All-American game and you kind of set the goal that you were going to be an All-American, right? Mm-hmm. That's how it started. Mm-hmm. Like what? What was that game? Can you do you remember what what all American game you went to? McDonalds. Yeah.
1: Is that what you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. Yeah. Um my like me and my dad, my dad always take me places just to try to set a goal for me so that like I went to a McDonalds game when I was like in fifth grade and I was like, Dad I wanna I wanna be in that game one day and uh I had on my, my, my list the whole time, going through middle school, high school and um, I just wanted to be one, so that was my goal, and I tried to reach for it, and I got it. So that was a good memory.
0: Is that when it clicked for you that oh, I could I could play basketball at a high level?
1: Um, yeah, I've always I think I've always been playing, trying to play at the highest level, just to see where I'm at and test against other players. And I always think that I held my own, and so yeah, playing at McDonald's definitely was a test.
2: How, so how did you, from that game in, in the fifth grade and, until you know junior year of high school, like how did you go about? getting to that level, like what was your...
1: I just went to work every day. Um, my dad, he bought a basketball goal in the backyard and I spent a lot of time just shooting hoops, just on YouTube a lot, watching people, trying to mimic their moves and stuff, so that was fun. Who are some I still do it, honestly. Who
2: are some of your favorites on YouTube back then and then maybe now?
1: I used to watch a lot of high school people, actually. Um, guys like, of course, Kevin Durant, LeBron, anything they would do, I would just try to mimic their moves and... Um, it was
2: fun. You're doing like one on none. Are you playing against him, or what were? You?
1: Actually, sometimes it'd be one, one, one on none, but some other um, like neighborhood friends would come, and I'll just just try to kill them. <laughs> would you dominate there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would try to <laughs> try to cross them over, make, make them fall. I'll just go my hardest, and I think that's what helped too. And
2: and so you say, I mean, you say you had a, a list. So then, like Carolina gets on on that list and you get there, what was the next thing you added to your list of, of goals after that?
1: Well, honestly, the plan of being one and done, that wasn't the plan. Uh, I, was just, I was just trying to take education first, and then if that happened, to happen then it happens. But going one and done from Carolina wasn't the original plan. Okay. I just tried to play my hardest, and um, it just worked out.
2: At what point in the season did you realize that was going to happen?
1: Well, I, I noticed I had the opportunity just to test the waters and, like, go into the combine, and play, and honestly, I, I was still going to go back to school, but I don't know, something just told me to stay in the draft.
2: What have your thoughts been on this process of development over the last couple of years? Well,
1: I was talking to Dennis Lindsay, uh, like, during the draft process, and he pretty much told me, like, if we were to draft you, would you be okay with playing a couple of years or a season or two with the Stars? I was like, okay, that's that's fine. I just want to develop. I I know that in my mind, I thought I was ready to play, but I wasn't ready to play, but uh, Just developing I knew I'd be cool just with the stars and playing as long as I got a chance to play and just develop
0: How is that development going for you?
1: I feel like it's going pretty good. Um, I I, I see where I started and I see where I'm at now Um, Just not like skill-wise and basketball-wise, but just like confidence wise as well.
2: And I'm sure, like physically, how how different are you now than when you you were drafted?
1: I feel like I'm a lot stronger, um, especially when you don't play as much. They definitely try to get you in the weight room way more. So uh, yeah, it's been. Do you watch
0: film differently than you did? back
1: uh, then? I wouldn't say differently. I would say I take it more seriously. Um, just different things I'll do in the game, mistakes I'll do. Just try not to do them again. Of course, I might may still do it, but. Um, just taking it more seriously with watching film. Who's hardest on you in the weight room? Uh, I feel like all the guys are pretty hard on me, especially like it's more than one guy watching you. So everyone's got something to say. I mean, it's, it's going to make you better at the end of the day. So. Um, Isaiah, Isaiah and um, guys like Jasper. So.
2: What's the one
1: exercise, one lift that you dread going in? Is there, is there something? I hate pull-ups. <laughs> I have long arms and pull-ups is just... I hate pull-ups and I hate those... Uh, they're like hamstring curls or like when you start up, like your knees are on the ground and they're like 90 degrees and you like gotta go down slow. I hate those <laughs> too. Those are the top two ones I hate, so.
2: And they're, they're, uh, they ride you pretty hard on that, I imagine. For sure, especially pull-ups, so. What's a, what's a max pull-up right now,
1: how many? How many, I, I can't even tell you, <laughs> <It's just> sad. <laughs>
2: awesome, well, we appreciate it, Tony.
1: Thank you.
0: Ahead includes a couple of returns. Howl Neto with the Sixers on Wednesday, and Kyle Corver with the Bucks on Friday. Wednesday is going to be a matchup between Embiid and Gobert, which you have to be looking forward to because it's the first game since suspension after Embiid's catfight. Sixers are in Phoenix on Monday. They will be testing how well Utah is adjusting to the rebounding challenge that I'm sure Quinn Snyder is giving them. Philly rebounds nearly one-third of their own misses. They are top right now in offensive rebound percentage. You want to test how well you've listened to Quinn Snyder and understand what's going on? Perfect opportunity against the best team in the league when it comes to that weakness. They beat Portland over the weekend. It'll be the third game of their four-game road trip against Portland. They trailed by as many as 21 points in the third quarter. A team that will not go down. This is the stretch where you learn a lot about the Jazz. Before November 15th, you'll get in a game against the Nets. Game against the Warriors, who are completely different from what we've seen in years previous. And then this powerful home stand against the Sixers and the Bucks. Milwaukee's playing good basketball as well. At four and two, they'll be on a third of a four-pack road swing having already played Minnesota and L.A. in the midweek. We saw them during the preseason, and Giannis Antetokounmpo went all out against the Jazz. He's been to his same level of form against Toronto. He had a season-best 36 points, 15 boards, 8 assists, and 4 blocks. This week is going to be a huge one for the Jazz's defensive star. Defensive player of the year playing to that level right now. The thing offensively that some of these teams are starting to do against the Jazz trying to get Gobert onto a small so that he's defending away from the basket. Gobert affects the game so effectively when he's posted underneath the rim. How he does this week, we'll learn a lot at what the Defensive Player of the Year standings will look out. That does it for this edition of Round Ball Roundup, Episode 10. Make sure to let other people know that you're listening to the podcast, give a review, five stars and nice comments on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. We'll be back on Friday with another power-packed interview. Excuse us as we reveal top-secret info. Your current wait time is less than 10 seconds. Tune in Friday to find out. You won't want to miss that edition of Round Ball Roundup back on Friday. Until next time, bye for now.